Hello everyone, welcome back to Uncertified and Unqualified. I'm Anna. And I'm Rita. And today we're going to talk about intersectionality. It's a really broad concept that was introduced back in the 80s, almost the 90s, but today we are going to break it down into what is fact, what is fiction, and what we think is pertinent for you to know. Because it is important to really reframe your mindset mindset around intersectionality. But let's figure out what it is, figure out where it came from, figure out how best to use it. So it all starts with the woman, the myth, the legend, Kimberly Crenshaw. Kimberly Crenshaw is an American lawyer, a civil rights advocate, a philosopher, and a leading scholar of critical race theory. She is a full-time professor at the UCLA School of Law and Columbia Law School, where she specializes in race and gender issues. That's just her basic Google profile, but she is so much more than that. She has worked through studies, writing, and activism to show the main issues in the perpetuation of inequality, including the school-to-prison pipeline for African-American children and the criminalization of behavior among Black teenage girls. Her work is essential when looking into critical race theory and in intersectionality, which is a term she actually created to describe racial and gender prejudice that happens simultaneously. Through the Columbia Law School African American Policy Forum, which she co-founded, she co-authored with Andrea Ritchie, Say Her Name, Resisting Police Brutality Against Black Women, which pushed the problem of the killing of black women and girls by the police to the forefront. Crenshaw and the African American Policy Forum also started the hashtag Say Her Name campaign to call attention to police violence against black women and girls. And Crenshaw, according to an article from Columbia Law website, she explained intersectionality as a lens through which you can see where power comes and collides, where it interlocks and intersects. It's not simply that there's a race problem here, a gender problem here, or a class or LGBTQ problem there. Many times that framework erases what happens to people who are subject to all of these things. Some people look to intersectionality as a grand theory of everything, but that is not my intention. If someone is trying to think about how to explain to the courts why they should not dismiss a case made by black women just because the employer did hire blacks who were men and women who weren't white, well, that's what the tool is designed to do. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, that's not, it's not like you have to use the concept. That is from the mouth of Kimberly Crenshaw herself. So, Jane Coaston actually wrote an article back in 2019, which is vital to understanding intersectionality and uses words directly from Kim- Kimberly Crenshaw herself. It so, is on, it's on Vox.com, and we will link it in our link tree, you know, all the usual places if you want to go read the article yourself, but we will start to break it down here and now. Yes. In this quote we pulled from the article, she explains that the current debate over intersectionality is really three debates. One, in what academics like Crenshaw actually mean by the term. One, based on how activists seek to eliminate disparities between groups that have interpreted the term. And third, on how some conservatives are responding to the use by those activists. So, there was no rational explanation for the racial wealth gap that existed in the 1982 and that, or that persists today, or for minor, minority underrepresentation in the spaces that were, like, purposefully based on the quote-unquote colorblind standards. You know, Crenshaw wrote that discrimination remains because of the stubborn endurance of the structures of white dominance. In other words, the American and legal socionomic order was largely built on racism, and that brings us to the concept of intersectionality, which emerged from the ideas based debated in critical race theory. 
Crenshaw first publicly laid out her theory of intersectionality in 1989, which is also a really great Taylor Swift album, <laughs> when she published the paper in the University of Chicago Legal Forum titled Demarginalizing the Intersection of Race and Sex. And Vox also attached a PDF of that paper to their article, which you can read if you would like. We will, again, link the article in all the usual places if you wish to go read it. And after introducing the term intersectionality, the term really took off in mainstream culture as opposed to just in the academic world. And in the 2017 Women's March, the events at the event, organizers noted how women's intersecting identities meant that they were impacted by a multitude of social justice and human rights issues. So honestly, I, I think of it as... Yes, you may be a part of one group that is really discriminated against, but there are other groups that compact simultaneously and will make that experience worse for someone. It's kind of like the I, the term double jeopardy comes yeah. to mind for me. Yeah, like they you might have one thing that's really affecting you, but another person might have two things that are really that will affect them in society and they're kind of getting, like, double hit. That's one way I think of it. Exactly, and it doesn't limit to just one or two. There can be three, four, five. It's, it's, there's so many compounding issues under the umbrella of intersectionality that you have to think about that coexist and co-mingle together. Yeah. So in 2017, writer Andrew Sullivan argued that intersectionality was a religion of sorts. In his view, he viewed intersectionality as a classic orthodoxy of which through which all of human experience is explained and through which all speech must be filtered its version of original sin is the power of some identity groups over others to overcome the sin we first need to confess i.e check our privilege and subsequently live our life and order our thoughts in a way that keeps the sin at bay Basically, this all comes down to admitting to your white privilege if you are indeed white, and even if you fall into some other minority groups, such as being LGBTQIA+, you're disabled, you have low socioeconomic standing, etc., etc., and living your life acknowledging this privilege and using it to the benefit of those without it or just not taking unfair advantage of it. And really don't be, like, making some excuse, well, oh, well, I am white, but I'm also, like, okay... But, but you're we live in a white supremacist culture. Right. You have privilege. You still need to understand that you have privilege. While you might not have privilege in one sphere, you do in another sphere. So you really need to check your privilege. Absolutely. And when you talk to conservatives, especially about the term itself, they're more measured. They say the concept of intersectionality, which is, you know, the, the idea we've talked about, it's not the... Intersectionality isn't the problem. There's a David French who is a writer for the National... There's a David French. There is a, there is a David <laughs> there French. There is a David French. And who... he's a writer for the National Review. Yes. And explained to Andrew Sullivan that conservatives have a problem with the use of the term intersectionality, and they have a problem with it because they believe it is being used against them as a way to oppress white, straight, cisgender men. Let me repeat that. They're used... It's being used against them to oppress... Oppress <laughs> white, straight cisgender men because making themselves that the, happens make, so much <laughs> making themselves the victim of a term used to describe many years and the current system that is a hierarchy of oppression basically they just don't want to be held accountable for the disadvantages that they continue to push on communities that are discriminated against and they don't want to acknowledge their advantages right 
they think they're turning it about it's very narcissistic Mm -hmm. it's not about you it's really not everything's about you guys shocker i know like i'm I'm sorry i know history has always been about you guys but like it's it's not about you it's it's really not not all season is leo season you are not (laughs) not you're not the victim you're you're the it's like this is the bad place. This is the bad place. This is the bad place. Crenshaw herself also has noted that conservatives aren't fighting the theory. She explains that they, if they were, they wouldn't be focused on who intersectionality is benefiting or hurting. Conservatives wouldn't use their own identities to critique intersectionality. Identities just wouldn't matter if they were critiquing the theory. But they are instead critiquing the practice they're basically saying oh well in practice you're using it to oppress us right mostly they're they're the people that are concerned because they're at the top of our identity our current identity hierarchy and they're more concerned about losing their spot than they are with eliminating those hierarchies altogether yeah and it shows especially in our government where Old, cishet white men refuse to give up their power simply because they cannot and won't, will not check their privilege and stand out of the way for younger people to make the changes that they refuse to make. They're afraid of losing that power because they've always had it. And they don't know what life would be like without they, it. They can't even fathom the idea of some sort of equality because that is like a step down for them. They think that's hurting them when, you know lifting other people up does not mean that you are like gonna go down why don't we can't we all just be at the same level right can we we just not oppress other people like right a concept that's a novel idea (laughs) that's a novel i mean really it's crazy right so in short crenshaw doesn't want to replicate existing power dynamics or in cultural structures just to give people of color power over white people for example she wants to get rid of those existing power dynamics altogether, changing the very structures that, you know, are the undercurrent of our politics, law, and culture in order to level the playing field. And there's just nothing you can say that is better descriptive of the theory yeah. and those who practice it than that. Like, it's it's not about putting other a new group of people over a, other people. This is eliminating the totem pole altogether. And it's thinking about it in the way of it's like compound insurance <laughs> no it's not i, I don't say um <laughs> comp i keep thinking compound in my head but it's like you you need to think about it in the way that it's not just one issue at a time the issues overlap each other right you can't you can't pick and choose when certain parts of someone's identity can be used to affect them a person's identity is their person's holistic identity, and you can't pick and choose that. You need yeah. to understand all of it as a total total concept. And understanding that is thinking more intersectionally. And we need to do that. Right. Because thinking through an intersectional lens is extremely important, especially when looking at history and today. I mean, first we have to see where we fit in the, hier- the current hierarchy of oppression and the system we live in, and then look at our own privilege. And then second, we must recognize our hierarchy of oppression in history. Third, we have to make sure we continue to work to lift up other voices of those who do not have the same privileges we do. 
Fourth, we have to keep people informed and squash false information. And last, we have to work to get rid of those ex existing power dynamics, as Kimberly Crenshaw says. Again, this is not about reordering the hierarchy, about reordering the totem pole. It's about taking an axe to these things altogether. Mm -hmm. And that's... That's what is really being lost in the concept and the discussion around intersectionality. Those are the two main things that are being lost, is there will be no hierarchy, there will be no totem pole, and also, if you are going to look at it, before we can eliminate those things, we have to understand that in our current system, identities aren't just able to be picked apart. Identities are a whole thing, and you have to understand that when you are looking at a court case or you're looking at something else in our system. And you really have to look at yourself and, and hold yourself accountable and check your privilege. You can't... I know a lot of times, like, it's really easy for us to put blame on other people and it's really easy for us to not think we're the bad guy, but we really do need to check ourselves before you wreck yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And check out Kimberly Crenshaw because... She's amazing. She's a fascinating she woman. She is so smart, so intelligent, has given us so much, done so much for us. Go check her out. Go read some of her ideas and theories. You will be a richer person for it. I, I know that I am. You will. And also check out the Vox article that we will link in our link tree because it is a very important read. And with all of that, we are Uncertified and Unqualified. We release episodes every other Monday, and you can find us on Instagram at Uncertified and Unqualified Pod. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.